in worship of your son Jesus who gave his life to wash away our sin, to overcome the power of death and to put us on a path of change and transformation to become more and more like him. God, as we live in this life, or until you call us home, we stand here in Christ, recognizing that it is only through him and only by the power of your spirit that he bestows on us that we can even hope to follow him as his true disciples. So God, would you speak to us again, not only of your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace, but your deep love and desire to celebrate with us today the goodness of who you are And this great gift that you have given us, which is not something that we have to wait until the end to experience, but because you are here now, we have achieved the ultimate goal of our very lives this morning. God, we come from lives of difficulty and challenge, and you know what we bring into worship today. God, we lay those things aside now. We put them at the feet of the cross and ask you to speak through your spirit and your word, a word of encouragement, a word of empowerment, a word of transformation for each one of us today. And we will thank you and praise you for the way that you manifest yourself among us through Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Welcome to worship at Faith Covenant Church. My name is Kurt, and Jesus is my lead pastor, and I'm excited that you guys are here with us. We are continuing our epic series, which is empowering people and inspiring change, and we're recognizing is that we move forward as a faith community. God wants us to not only grow as a church, but he wants us to grow individually because we are the church. And as the church grows, we grow, or I guess we were saying it the other way around, right? As we grow, the church grows because we are the church. And when we talk about church growth here at Faith Covenant Church, we're not talking about big numbers and lots of people, even though that might be something God wants to bless us with. We're talking about going deeper in Christ and further in mission. As we talk about church growth, we're talking about being both healthy as a community and missional, meaning healthy, pursuing Christ in our lives, and missional, pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. That's the core of this vitality pathway that we're walking as a church during this season. And the vitality pathway is really all about preparing the soil of the hearts of God's people for the things that God wants to do in his church and through his church. And that's what we talked about last week. If you were here with us, it was a family fifth Sunday, which is a new experiment that we're trying. We had the kids in worship. We had a a worship and movement area down here, and all the little kids were here. And it was so fun until about halfway through the sermon, I realized I couldn't even hear myself think. They were having so much fun. And I heard from several of you, you couldn't really pay attention to much of the sermon either. So we'll do a quick review for those of you who were here and missed it. (laughs) We did talk about how the theme verse for the epic series and the workshop that we had on the 29th comes from Hosea 10, verse 12. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. 
We talked about how this verse is really kind of a farming analogy. And in our day, we're so much more uh, modernistic and mechanistic that we, we think of growth and change in terms of instant microwave change. We want change to happen, and we want it to happen yesterday. Our culture is changing so fast, we have been conditioned to expect that we should be able to see results instantly, and if we don't, there's either something wrong with me or there's something wrong with you. And we, we lose the fact that this spiritual growth process for us as followers of Jesus is a more organic lifelong developmental process like farming where you have to take the time to to till the soil and you have to take time to plant the seeds and nurture them with sun and water and allow them to grow and it takes a long long time before you can see the ultimate outcome of all of that time and nurture and effort which is a fruitful life for God we talked about how the abundant life that Jesus came to give is a farming term in itself. We think of abundance in our Western modern culture as being all the, the bells and whistles, the big house, the fancy car, the popularity, the good looks. I mean, that's abundance, right? And yet, how many people do we see living in the abundance of this world who are miserable and going through broken, difficult lives. No, the abundance that Jesus came to give is a life of fruitfulness, where we give our lives in meaning and depth and purpose to serve God's purposes through his kingdom, and we become a blessing to all those around us. Like farming, the vitality pathway is all about preparing the soil of the hearts of God's people. And we talked last week about how the condition of the soil is what determines the outcome of the seed. If you remember the parable of Jesus with the four different types of soil, the hard path, the rocky ground, the ground with weeds and thistles that choke out the seed, all those paths prevent the seed of God's word, the good news of Jesus Christ, from taking root and ultimately producing the fruit for which it is intended. We talked about how the risk is getting out ahead of God. We, we often put ourselves first, and even in our own spiritual lives, we, we, we want to take the reins, and we want to get out ahead, and we think we know what's best, but, but we end up pulling the plow behind us, right? The, the farmer isn't intended to pull the plow. That's an effort in futility. The farmer is intended to walk behind the plow and allow the plow to do the heavy lifting, to do the hard work, being pulled by the oxen team, which represents for us the power of the Holy Spirit, which is, which is giving us the direction and the power in our lives and the plow becomes those tools those constructs those images and ideas from God's word and from truth that help us to understand where we are in life and what God is leading us to do and to experience if we want to experience successful growth change and transformation in our life we said we follow the plow now, this morning, I'd like to suggest that if change and transformation in our lives is an ongoing, slow, organic, lifelong process, that we have to be able to meet, remain calm, focused, and persistent in our efforts, we also have to recognize that at some points, we have to be willing to pause and celebrate the important milestones and successes along the way. In many ways... I would like to suggest this morning that our ability to celebrate is what allows us to ensure that we are staying focused on the right things and for the right reasons. Let me say that one more time. In many ways, our ability to celebrate is what allows us to ensure that we are staying focused on the right things and for the right reasons. 
If we don't take the time to pause once in a while to celebrate, to reflect, to look at where God is and how he is blessing us, it becomes a lot easier for us to get off track in our spiritual lives. It becomes easier to get disheartened with the circumstances of life where we find ourselves and to miss the presence and the provision of God in the midst of the journey. Now, I'm probably like you, I enjoy success as much as the next person. I mean, success is a good thing, right? And we talk a lot about being successful and and wanting this abundance and having the good life. But I recognize, as I honestly reflect on my own heart and my own mind, that it's easy for me to downplay the importance of my own successes along the way. Or to quickly focus on the next goal and and not take the time to recognize that, gosh, you know, maybe I actually have grown a little bit. Maybe I actually have changed. Maybe I actually have achieved some measure of the success of the spiritual life that I feel God is calling me to pursue. I think I feel the expectation that it's more important that I, I look to the next accomplishment or the expectation that I have to achieve in order to feel acceptable or to please other people around me. Now, as I say, it's not only true in my life generally, but in my spiritual life as well. Often the growth and change that I desire in my life as a follower of Jesus doesn't come as quickly or as easily as I would hope. And it can become easy to feel like nothing is actually changing and I'm, I'm stuck in this rut and I don't know how to get out of it or move forward. I've talked about spiritual growth with many people over the years. It's like watching the grass grow. Have you ever watched the grass grow? Right? You stand there and you look and you watch it and nothing happens. But if you walk away, you go about your daily life, you come back a few days or a week later and, oh my goodness, it has dramatically changed, right? And if you go too long, it's time to get out the big weed whacker because the mower won't even cut through it anymore. The grass is an organic growth process and growth is happening in our lives all the time. The question is, are we willing to take those moments to come back and pause and reflect and see that maybe more is happening in our lives than we were aware of? Too often, I think I want to go from planting the seed to experiencing the harvest and I'm tempted to discount the real but perhaps more modest progress that is happening along the way. The other factor that I think is at play for me as I've reflected on this and thought about it becomes what I've learned to understand over the course of my life as a fear of success. Another one of those irrational fears that I have that can undermine my sense of confidence about myself and my future. It, it, it kind of is this, uh, th- this example of, you know, the higher you climb, the farther you have to fall. Right? Sometimes the more success we experience, the greater the risk of failure, the greater the sense of expectation of the world around us that we're going to maintain that same level of performance and, 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 and goodness and, and success. And it, the pressure and the anxiety that comes with success can be a weight around our necks. And this fear of success can lead to the temptation to skip over the importance or the value of any success in the moment because it focuses, more importantly, on that next thing, that next greater expectation that now I have to live up to. I mean, we all do this in many ways, don't we? And we see it rampant in our culture all the time. Now, uh, I have to share condolences with Aaron Day. I don't see the days here today, but you guys can pass on my condolences to Aaron with the loss of uh, the Indians. I mean, think about a World Series win for the Cubs. 
what an awesome victory that they have now achieved after, what is it, 108 years? I mean, that, what an incredible victory. But I also have to feel really sad and sorry for the Cubs. Because now the expectation is they're going to do the same thing every year. Right? Or a Super Bowl victory for the Seahawks. See, our victories too often become short-lived celebrations, and too quickly the expectation moves toward the repeat victory. In fact, in many ways, success breeds contempt in ourselves and in others around us. See, once we've achieved some measure of success, we begin to feel the pressure to do it again and again and again, or to achieve even greater accomplishments in the future. Our expectations of our heroes and our leaders and even ourselves becomes that weight around our shoulders that prevents us from being able to pause and celebrate in the moment that life can be good even in the midst of trials. That's why it's important to take time to celebrate because taking the time to celebrate is what ensures that we're able to focus on the right things and for the right reasons. If you think about it, that's one of the important things about worship. We come here on Sunday morning to, to take a pause from our daily lives, to, to reflect on where we've been this week and, and what are the things that we have to be grateful for. And even in the midst of difficult life circumstances, we can come and recognize that, that Jesus not only came and gave his life, but he rose from the grave and he's coming back again. And because of that, we are truly blessed and we can have hope and confidence. Oh, I, I see some days back there. You can, you can pass on the word, yeah. <laughs> had to point you guys out. It was part of my plan. See. We need to ensure that we're focusing on the right things and for the right reasons, or our temptation is to get disheartened and to lose hope. I believe that is one of the main goals in Psalm 23, which is what we're going to look at today, and we're simply going to focus in on verse 5, but I want to read all of Psalm 23 to give us the context first. Many of us are very familiar with this psalm because it's, a, it's also an organic process psalm. It's a shepherding song. It's about a sheep and a shepherd out in the fields. And the psalmist David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Or in today's Christian vernacular, you could say, Jesus is my lead pastor, and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley or the shadow of the valley of death, most translations would read, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then focus in here with me on verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He's throwing a party here. He's taking time to celebrate. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, we, we read this psalm, and it's such a, a great image of life as a pilgrimage, life as a journey. We, like sheep, who are not always the most intelligent of animals, 
uh, are wandering through life, and we have this great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus, who, who guides us. And even back in the Old Testament, the people of Israel looked to the Lord, to Yahweh, as a shepherd who gave them protection, who provided for their needs, who gave them even a, a sense of safety through valleys of sh- the shadow of death. Life is not always easy. Life comes with twists and turns and ups and downs. And and saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean that you're getting a ticket to an easy life. In fact, it might just be the opposite. You might get more difficulty and more challenges as a result of your commitment to stand in Christ and to stand for what Christ stands for. The spiritual life with God is a, a process. It's a journey. It's a pilgrimage. But we have faith that we have a shepherd who can lead us through all of those things. Jesus said in John 10, 14 and 15, which is the same chapter where he talks about that he has come, that people may have life and have it to the full. He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, on this journey of faith with Jesus, who is our lead pastor, we also need to find those times when we pause to celebrate and recognize the amazing goodness and gift that God has given us by inviting us into relationship with himself. Verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Scholars suggest that as you think through this larger passage, the image actually shifts here in verse 5, right? It starts with this this shepherding image where you have these sheep out in the field with the shepherd, but now all of a sudden you have somebody sitting at a table having a meal. You see, it's not a a unified image that he's using here. He's, He's talking about how we are like sheep that need guidance and protection, and yet that very shepherd who guides and protects us in this image shifts from being the the shepherd to being the gracious host that has prepared a party for us to experience. The picture, scholars suggest, is one of the realization of ultimately the goal being communion with God himself. Not only does he sit as an honored guest at the table, but he looks forward in confidence to dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. He's moving in. He's He's got a place in the family Instead of just escaping the the vengeance and impending death from enemies around him and having a moment to add add a quick snack before he has to run off before he gets killed, he's also experiencing the presence and the abundance of God and God's delight in him in the midst of life's challenges and difficulties. God is viewed here as an opulent host who exercises liberal hospitality to his guests, who, who are honored to have been chosen to eat with God at his table and to live with God in his household and to experience the satisfaction of the goodness and the blessing of God in their lives. You see, dwelling in God's house, they suggest, is an opportunity to experience God intimately on a day-to-day basis. You wake up in the morning and there he is. Hey, God, you got any coffee over there for me too? Right? You come home from work in the evening, and, and there he is in the kitchen. He's got a full meal spread, and he's saying, hey, you must have had a hard day. Come and sit down at the table. Let's hang out for a while and just share a good meal. You know, On your birthday, God's there. At our holidays, God shows up. Living with God is like being a part of the family. It's an intimate experience that God invites us to celebrate on a regular basis. 
This ultimately is the real success that we should be looking for in the spiritual life. Our end goal is not our own success or accomplishments as a church. Our our end goal is not our own success and accomplishments in worldly terms as human beings, as individuals. But our direct experience of God's blessing and his provision through our lives through the very gift of himself to us. In essence, dwelling with God in this way is what the Apostle Paul calls in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, the mature Christian's true goal. In verse 12 of chapter 13, he says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see how? Face to face. Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You see, this communion life with God is is a part of the ultimate goal. When we go to heaven, it's not that we get to float on clouds and eat grapes. (laughs) Even though, who knows, maybe that's what it'll be like. It's entering into a communion life with God where we live face-to-face and heart-to-heart. And what we learn from Jesus is that through his gift to us, that life is available now because through the Holy Spirit, he is with us and we can live face-to-face and heart-to-heart with God because Jesus is God with a face. He's the one who's come to reveal God's gift to us. You see, the central image, scholars suggest, of Psalm 23 isn't the shepherd, but it's the prepared table. It's a symbol of honor and provision to travelers who are on this journey with the great shepherd, which only comes in the presence of enemies and traveling through the shadow of the valley of death. A life lived in this world is not yet the kind of world of completeness and wholeness that God has for us, but we can live face-to-face and heart-to-heart with God, even in the midst of those challenges. Being in Christ doesn't mean that the troubles and cares and pains and dangers and difficulties of this world are simply removed from us. We also need to ask and constantly remind ourselves, in what ways, day-to-day, is God laying out a table for you? Is what ways is God providing provision for you to, to be honored, to be blessed, and to recognize that you're not alone in living this life that he's called us to live? Sometimes our enemies, if we are honest, are mostly of our own making, are they not? Fear, guilt, shame, anger, even the fear of success might be an enemy that, that haunts us and hounds us and prevents us from being able to pause long enough to celebrate the fact that God has provided everything that we need. He has anointed us with the oil of his presence and his spirit, and he wants nothing more than to to have the cups of our hearts overflow with joy and gratitude because of the richness that we have inherited in Christ. But too often, we don't take time to celebrate and recognize what's really important and that we're doing the right things for the right reasons, and we get focused on those things that we think are going to bring us satisfaction, but always leave us disappointed and wanting more. Sometimes for us as a church, this provision in the community of faith can, can be something as simple as a handshake of forgiveness after a conflict. It can be hugs of caring when we recognize somebody's going through a difficult time. It can be personal invitations to, to step out of the hustle and bustle of daily life and to experience a life together around a meal in our home or doing an activity that we love doing together. 
It might be opportunities for us to step out of our comfort zone and serve someone else in God's name, using the the gifts and the blessing he's given us to, to be God's representative of his provision to somebody else. You see, all these acts give testimony that God is at work in us and for us and through us, and we become a part of the celebration of life that we have as Christians because God continues to pour out blessing after blessing in us and through us in the name of his son, Jesus. These simple acts of love become tables prepared by God and prepared by God's people in the presence of our own enemies as well. And they become confidence builders that God is present and able to help us like no one else can. I loved what one commentator said. He said, our challenge is to become caterers at the table of God that he prepares for those who are surrounded by enemies. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Our challenge is to become caterers at the table of God that he prepares for those who are surrounded by enemies. You see, acknowledging that God is present and active around us and in us allows us to begin to experience that abundant provision in small and sometimes seemingly insignificant ways as we go through our everyday lives together with Christ. In our times of worship, as we've said already, God's provision is here. He is present. He is pouring out his anointing oil of his spirit even now, and he wants us to leave overflowing with the blessings that he's given us, with provision to meet the new week and the challenges that we face, even some of those things that maybe we walked in here carrying as a weight around our shoulders this morning. When we serve others in the name of Christ, we discover God's provision for us to be able to be a blessing in that way that allows us to experience God's presence and power in our lives in a unique way that we can't experience in any other way. See, whenever we bring joy and love and caring to those around us, we offer God's forgiveness. We share the story of God's salvation and the hope for God's creation that in one day all things will be made new. We are dwelling with him and we're living in him even as he lives in us. Like Jesus said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And in the end of the Gospel of John, he says, my prayer is that you also will experience that we will be in you. As Christians, all of these are ways that we celebrate God's abundance and provision in our lives. How about you this morning? How do you celebrate the presence and the power of God at work in your life? In what ways do you take the time to intentionally pause and reflect and turn your heart to God and experience the table of his provision in your life? Do you too quickly skip over times to celebrate your own progress and growth in the spirit, to to live up to the next expectation and the goal that you have to achieve in order to feel like you're you're good enough or strong enough where other people are going to see you as being successful in the world's eyes? You see, Psalm 23 gives us another construct. It gives us another tool from God's word to apply to our lives in really practical ways. I'd like to suggest that it can be something we go back to over and over again and pray through Psalm 23, using each line of that psalm to allow the Holy Spirit of God to place us in that story, to say, where are we on this journey with Jesus? You know, are, 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 we, are we grazing in, in the fields and, and being nourished with good food? Or are we resting beside quiet waters and enjoying the restful peace of God's presence in our lives? Are we perhaps going through a valley of the shadow of death? 
or surrounded by enemies. And what are those enemies? What are those shadows in your life? This tool can be part of the plow that God allows to turn up the soil of our hearts to be able to be receptive to the seed of his word that he wants to produce fruit in your life and in my life. One of the things that I I love about this verse here is it says, you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. See, the focus needs to be not about us. It needs to be all about him. And if we have our priorities right and we're doing the right things for the right reasons, what the Bible tells us is that we will discover that God has prepared a banquet feast for us that we can't even imagine. All we have to do, though, is lift up our eyes and recognize how greatly we have been blessed. If you look through the Old Testament, you can see that the Jewish people were really good at throwing parties, (laughs) Right? I mean, they had feast days galore. They had holy days every day you know, of the year almost. I mean, there were recurring times for the whole community to be called to pause, to reflect on where God has been and where do they see the provision of God in their lives. You know, our holiday times are upon us. The question is, are they going to be times of busyness and franticness and, and more expectations for performance and accomplishment? Or can these be truly holy days for us where we pause to spend time with God, where we pause to spend time with one another as a faith community, where we pause to spend time with our family and our friends? Isn't that always the thing that we love most about the holidays, and yet often those are the the times that seem to slip away from us in our busyness, in our hectic lives of activity and performance. One of the things that we've been doing every year now during the the Christmas season, almost kind of starting at Thanksgiving, and then Advent starts the Sunday after and goes right through to Christmas, is what we've been calling our Christmas outreach campaign, where we start to put a pause on some of the other activities of church and to really focus on some key experiences where we say, invite your friends, invite your family, bring somebody to church, come and hang out and let them experience Christmas at Faith Covenant Church. Because we believe if we extend the invitation, some of those people, the Holy Spirit will prompt to say, yeah, you know what? I want to do that. I want to be a part of celebrating what God is doing in my life during this holiday season. What are some of the wins that we've seen here at Faith Covenant Church? I think as we talk about growth and as we talk about where God is leading us and what he wants to do, uh, yes, it's great to be future-oriented, but, but we as a church, too, can miss those ways that God is showing up and the successes that we're having along the way. And again, I want to suggest that we're not talking about successes of large numbers in Sunday attendance or big money in our bank account, even though those things can be great and they can also be signs of God's blessing. We want to be telling the God stories where he's showing up in people's lives and they're experiencing transformation and healing themselves. When we hear those God stories, when we celebrate those together as a community, then we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real and we are blessed by God because we have experienced him and met him in our day-to-day lives. That church is true success and it's worth celebrating. What are some of the successes that we want to measure here at Faith Covenant Church. That's kind of a great business term, right? Measurable success. 
How do you measure spiritual growth? How do you measure the presence and the power of God? It's only by telling stories. And that's what we want to get good at. We want to be good storytellers. At our congregational meetings, we've, we've begun to include that as part of our, our business meeting is telling God stories from the last year and where he's been and how do we celebrate that and recognize how he's moving in our lives. Because as we tell those stories, we will see where the Holy Spirit is moving. We can get behind the plow and trust that God will lead us to the future that he's planned for our lives. In many ways, the ability to celebrate is what allows us to ensure that we're staying focused on the right things and for the right reasons. As you come to worship on Sunday morning, as we enter this holiday season, as we explore where God is leading us as a church, let's encourage each other to pause and take time to celebrate the many ways that God is active and at work in our lives. And we will have the confidence that those are signs of that kingdom that one day will be the reality for the whole world. Amen? Let's pray.